G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Here we are, it's New Year's Eve, the final day of the year. What will tomorrow, what will next year hold? Wouldn't it be great to be content in the new year? And yet contentment is something of a holy grail for many people. In the turmoil and the busyness of life, we'd love to experience that, that wonderful sense of being content. Well, today we're going to discover one way of making that happen. Diamond, and welcome again to the program as we take a look at your contentment from a different perspective. So far over the course of this week, we've been discovering how to get our lives on the road to contentment. We've seen God's plan is very much that we should be content. In fact, he places a high premium, a high value indeed on contentment. It is, if you will, a normal part of living our lives for him, no matter what happens to be going on around us. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, he says to us through the Apostle Paul, There is indeed great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with those. Absolutely there's great value in godliness and contentment. Contentment is that sense that we're not dancing to the tune of our desires anymore. We look around at what we have and what we don't have, importantly, and we don't feel that restlessness, that nagging desire to have more, to to be more, to have more thought of us. And God particularly wants us to experience that contentment in the face of the conflicts and the trials that we're going through. Again, just as the Apostle Paul did, as his life hung in the balance on death row in that Roman dungeon, when amidst all that he was able to rejoice and to write these words to his friends in Philippi. Not that I'm referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little. I know what it is to have plenty. And in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. For I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. And today we're going to discover another way of finding contentment. One of the things that often robs us of contentment is the desire for more money and the things that money can buy. I used to be very much trapped in this desire for more wealth before I became a Christian. And the more of it I gained, the less satisfied and content I became. It's a terrible paradox, but it's true. It happens time and time again, which is exactly what God tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10. The lover of money will not be satisfied with money, nor the lover of wealth with gain. This also is vanity. And so today we're going to go to God's radical plan for breaking free from this addiction to wealth, which constantly makes us discontent with whatever we have. And that radical plan involves... Radical giving. Have a listen to this. This is the Apostle Paul writing to his friends in Corinth. He was a man on a mission to raise support for the Christians in Jerusalem who were going hungry because of a great famine. So he's encouraging the Corinthians, who were quite wealthy, to give 
in the same way that the Macedonians had given. But the Macedonians, as it turned out, weren't wealthy at all. Here's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. And this, not merely as we expected, they gave themselves first to the Lord and by the will of God to us, so that we might urge Titus that as he had already made a beginning, so he should also complete this generous undertaking among you. Now, as you excel in everything, in your faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I'm not saying this is a command, but I'm testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of the Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. And in this matter, I'm giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now to finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one doesn't have. I don't mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it's a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. Now, the power of what God's saying here to us through Paul is this. Generosity breeds contentment. Look at the Macedonians. They had so little, and yet they were so eager to give as much as they possibly could. They they begged Paul to be able to give to those who had even less than them, their brothers and sisters in Christ living in Jerusalem who were starving. Now, you might say to me, Bernie, hang on a minute. You're putting the cart before the horse here. Their giving didn't breed contentment. It was the other way around. They were already content, and so their generosity was a product of that contentment. True, that's the way it reads. But Paul here is using their example to test the genuineness of the faith and the love of the Corinthians, who were by comparison very wealthy indeed. This was a lesson for the Corinthians to teach them to be generous because Paul knew that if they could get through this, if they could give generously and sacrificially, the insidious control of that wealth over their hearts would be broken. This act of generosity, he goes on to say, is like mimicking Jesus, become more like the one who gave up everything so that we might have everything forever. As surely as night follows day, when we start to give sacrificially to God's work little by little, the lure of wealth loses its power over us and we start to experience the contentment that God always had planned for our lives. And that's exactly how it happened for me. I didn't become a Christian until age 36, by which time I owned a very profitable business and I was earning a lot of money. And I remember Christians talking about this thing, tithing. The idea apparently was to give a tenth of your income to God's work. Now, At that point, when I became a Christian, I was really well off. And yet week after week, I'd go to church, I'd be blessed by the teaching and the fellowship, I'd be growing in my faith, but when the offering plate came around, I'd put in some loose change. Tithing, 
10%. You, you have to be kidding me. You'd think for someone who was very well off that it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> but here's the thing. When you're earning a lot of money, 10% is an awful lot of money to give away. But God's gracious. And the Holy Spirit worked away at me until eventually I, I kind of grimaced and took the plunge. I, I began to tithe my income. It was hard at first, I don't mind telling you. It was almost 20 years ago. And looking back on it now, I can see how God used that in my life to set me free from the desire to always buy the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. I have so little desire for stuff these days, which is completely the opposite of what I used to be like. I always wanted to accumulate stuff, even though it never satisfied me. And I can honestly tell you that the principle that Paul was talking about there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is absolutely true. It works. If you want to be content, if you want to break the power of that desire for wealth in your life, a desire that ipso facto breeds discontent in your heart, then start giving sacrificially to God's work. And pretty soon, sacrifice will turn to generosity and generosity will overflow into a rich abundance of contentment in your life. This is always the way it works. Always. like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word as well. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you. And let's just see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time Monday with a different perspective. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.